Um, I mean, some good, some bad. You know, I thought um, he went in there for the most part. You know, he got thrown in, not expecting to get in, and uh, I thought he ran the ball well, um, hit some passes, obviously missed some passes, um, was in a tough situation there when we were down two scores. Um, did a good job moving the chains a couple times with his legs, um, but it looked like a typical first game. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the 49ers drop their second game in a row and lose a really tough one of the Seattle Seahawks. Trey Lance had a whole half of football. We're going to talk about how he looked and whether or not he looks like he's ready to go because the starting quarterback might be out for a bit. And this week, appealing his fifth pass interference penalty that he got flagged for this week, it's David Newman. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just caught me looking at the game the wrong way, and and out came the flags, you know? Bro, you stop, stop tugging the shoulders, you know? Yeah. Just keep your hands off. Look, it's just I want to... I Sometimes you just got to grab a guy, you know? I know. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. I, I told you last week that you forgot about Dre. Clearly, you took that to heart uh, and made sure that we did not forget about Dre this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about the coverage. We'll talk about the defense. But, man, that was a game that seemed very winnable early. Um, cause the, I mean the, the, the first half you're thinking to yourself, actually not even the first half, the first quarter I was really riding high. Like this is going to be a blowout. This is going to be incredible. This is amazing. And, and then it wasn't, and you, I, you almost, you almost felt it like, especially after the first quarter, after a couple drives, then we're only up seven. You just, you almost knew like you felt something was going to go wrong and then it just, it tilted fully. Yeah, I, I think it was fully like for me at the point in which they brought Wish out there for the field goal and missed it. But yeah, it was like things yeah. were they, they kind of looked like a different offense for a little bit there. Right. Like, I mean, that first drive was eight plays. Six of them were passes. Uh, they were coming out there, you know, getting the ball out of Jimmy's hands, like going empty, like they went empty on the first play. Uh, went, went, uh, you know, first, the first two first downs were, were throws and like, yeah, it was just a kind of a different approach. And then suddenly that second drive, uh, comes around and, and Jimmy just, you know, shockingly misses an underneath defender dropping down and, and Quandre digs and steps in front of that throw and, and gets the interception. And it just kind of like, yeah, felt that was like the start of it. And then as soon as you get that missed field goal on the following drive, it was just, it kind of felt inevitable at that point. It was just like, okay, they're going to come back. And at, at the very least, they're going to send this as a tie game into to halftime. And that's exactly what happened. It was such a good opening game plan though, both on offense and defense. I mean, we knew that the, the Seahawks defense was coming in. They were vulnerable, especially against the pass. And so Shanahan's like, okay, what do you do against vulnerable pass defenses? I don't know. Let me take a look at last week's film. Oh, you start throwing the ball, empty it out. Just don't even play. Don't even play use check at this point. He's your second running back at this point. He's the only guy that you're going to trust to carry the ball. Let's not put him out there. Uh, and so, I mean, this offense is humming and, and then Jimmy Garoppolo did his best to keep everyone in the game. I think the defense, on the other hand, similarly had a good game plan. At the end of the first quarter, Seattle had run nine offensive plays, totaling just minus three yards, minus three yards. Uh, and, the def- and, and the defensive line was just getting pressure. And it wasn't just individuals winning their matchups. It was also a good scheme, I think, that put those individuals in a, in a position to succeed. 
Yeah, I think they went back to a, a bit more of the zone pressure stuff there early on those third downs um, rather than, than going man-to-man. There was one, I, I kind of missed the um, start of it, and so I didn't quite catch what they were, were looking like there. But I, I think with how they dropped out, it, it looked like it was more zone. But yeah, I, I think like it was still pressure on third downs, which we've come to expect, but they were kind of switching up the way uh that they did that and and we got i mean like let's let's not lie we got a little bit of a hand there from i guess like pete carroll decided that the offense was doing a little bit too well and decided to maybe take the reins and was like let's go back to just uh running that rock and and being hyper conservative there early like it was just like what the fuck are they doing right now like why are they doing this and then yeah they get in these third and longs and uh and the pressure was there and i i think yeah they they did a good job up front i mean bosa obviously had uh, the one sack that he had around Dwayne Brown that was very good. Um, but yeah, they were getting to him with the the blitzes as well, and the coverage was holding up. I mean, that was kind of the most frustrating part, right, is you get into, you know, it was like, what, midway through the second quarter there, and it just felt like the defense was playing better than you could possibly imagine that they were going to play, especially against this team, and uh, it, it just kind of felt wasted in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was. And, and and there was such cool little wrinkles that you saw from the defense, too. I mean, in one on one play, you have the 49ers showing a pressure look to the side away from Nick Bosa. And that means that the the, the Seahawks have to slide their protection over to cover all the guys that are going to be over opposite Bosa. What does that do? It gives you one on one and Bosa just completely destroys the tackle and ends up getting in and doing Nick Bosa things. You saw something similar similar happen a couple plays before, but this time it happened with D Ford. So, I mean, they were coming from one side and the other, and it was just, it was completely flustering Seattle's offense. And it's not lost on me that this game still, despite everything that happens, and we're going to talk about Trey Lance here in a minute, despite all that, it still ended up being a one-score game. And if the Niners had put up a few more points out of their dominant first quarter or first quarter and a half, this could be a game maybe going into overtime and maybe you get a lucky bounce and end up still eking out a win. Right. And I think when you combine that, right, so you have the the sort of missed opportunities and, and not fully capitalizing on that early success that you're having offensively. And then like around the same time that starts happening, you start getting these special teams miscues that I think just really kind of kill you. I, I, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, Trenton Cannon directly responsible in some ways for 14 Seattle points. Like, uh, just just wasn't great. I mean, one of them, one of those touchdowns is a little much to put on him. But so you, you kind of start with uh, first just him not knowing that he couldn't roll into the end zone. Like you see him having the conversation, like he doesn't understand like what went wrong there and why it didn't happen. And his teammates are coming up to him and be like, yeah, dude, you can't fucking do that. Like can't go into the end zone, even when you have the ball like short of it. And, and so like that changes things for Seattle, right? Because rather than, than a struggling offense coming out there, starting inside their own five, like that's going to be a very good situation for you defensively. Um, now they get the ball out of the 20 and they end up going down and scoring their first touchdown on that drive. Right. And then of course you have the one that more directly leads to it, which is when he, he first muffs the kickoff and then he fumbles it after he recovers it there. And then Seattle's starting, uh, at the 14 yard line, I believe it was, and they score two plays later. And so like that was, it, it was just, it was rough seeing that. And so like those, they're not playing well enough overall and, and especially offensively 
to overcome those sort of miscues and the short drives and, and things like that, that that come from special teams uh, problems. And, and I think like once those things kind of all coalesce, like it just was too much to overcome. And then it, I mean, and then Seattle knew that they had him. They they yep. they were in his head, and so now they start mortaring kicks, and they're kicking it early. And and now he thinks it's going to go into the end zone. It bounces at the one, and and now it, it's just it was just a cascading set of things on special teams that you you hope to you hope to get past. But I feel like it's almost hard to get past that when it seems like almost every punt return or kick return, you're just going to switch whomever's going to return yeah. the kick. It's like Sanu, Ayuk, uh, you know, who else is going to be back there returning kicks? I mean, I guess Debo's returning kicks, but that's just because they couldn't put Trenton Cannon out there anymore. Yeah, you're like, like we cannot put this guy out there for another snap in this game. Like no. he is just mentally fucked right now. And it's just like, you gotta, uh, you gotta call it and, and just hope that he can go out there and, and have a better day. Right. But uh, it, it was, yeah, it was brutal to watch. I mean, the only thing that was, um, that was keeping this from being like a true Kyle Williams esque performance was this uh, like purely the situation. Like it's just not, a, it's not an NFC championship game. Right. But it was absolutely as brutal of a special teams performance. Now, the other thing that kept this game interesting was the fact that we were able to see Trey Lance. This was the time you finally saw him. This was the thing that the 49ers were worried about. They were worried about really an injury to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'll admit, when I first heard that it was a calf issue for Jimmy Garoppolo, I was like, that's I, my ass. Like, that's that's <laughs> not a calf injury. That's just, you know, the team realizing that they may need a spark and they're going to try to light a fire. Apparently, that's not a, that's not the case. He was stepped on early in the first or sometime in the first half. And then it kept getting worse. It kept getting worse. Then he couldn't push off at all. Didn't realize it until halftime. Uh, Kyle Shanahan realizes right before they go back out, oh, he can't go. Now it's the Trey Lance show. And I think overall, the, the, while Trey Lance, it was good to see him, it was still, I think, an overall rocky start for him, but one I think that you still have to get through in order to get to what is the other side of Trey Lance if we're ever going to see it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like that's the thing to start with with Lance and, and try to understand is like, he was never going to come in and suddenly be good at the things that we were upset with Jimmy Garoppolo about not being good at, right? Like he wasn't going to come in there and be a more accurate passer than Jimmy Garoppolo right away. Like it, it just, that was never in the cards, right? The argument for why you're going with Lance is because, well, if you're already not getting those things from Jimmy Garoppolo, right, that you need from him if you're going to make an argument that Jimmy Garoppolo puts you in better position as a quarterback, right. And, and is a better for your offense overall, he needs to hit those, those throws accurately, right? Cause he doesn't offer a lot of upside. He doesn't throw the ball downfield. Um, he's not going to make the big plays with his legs. He doesn't impact you, uh, in the running game at all. Like in, in terms of opening things up there for, for the other guys. Um, and, and so like he has to be good, at the simple quarterback things, right? He can't 
turn the ball over, put the ball in harm's way as often as he does. And, and so those things really are frustrating to watch because he doesn't offer you anything else. And, and so when he's struggling in the only ways that he can possibly help you, like that's frustrating. Lance was always going to come in and still not be good at those things, but he was going to offer you the upside, right? He was going to offer you the big plays. He was going to have the impact in the running game and he was going to do all of these other things that you can hopefully overcome some of those problems that you're dealing with in the passing game. And, and so, yeah, I think it was a tough situation for him to come in. I mean, obviously, yeah, I think once we, we saw what they were doing with him out there, I I think it became very clear that, yeah, this was a a reluctant uh, Kyle Shanahan putting him in there. This wasn't uh, an intentional, we're benching Jimmy and and going with this because I mean, honestly, it, it looked like, um, in a lot of ways, like that's the Trey Lance that you want to see, like in terms of play calling where it's super run heavy and, and some of the things that they were doing at the start of a game or when you're leading in a game. Right. And and that's not what you can do with him when you're down 15 points. Right. And, and so I think that was the the sign to me, at least that like, yeah, this this absolutely was not uh, an intentional decision to just we're making the switch to Lance. Yeah, and this is what Shanahan was worried about when in the past he said that if you have a non-mobile quarterback and then a mobile quarterback behind him, you have to kind of change your offense entirely when the other guy comes in. And that's kind of hard to prep for two. While he does have two different quarterbacks with two different skill sets now, I think that that holds true. And we saw a little bit of that today. He said in the postgame presser that this game plan was not set up for Lance. And it was pretty evident that that was the case. Yep. <laughs> it, yep. was, it was obvious. And, and I think that, that if you're going to have Trey Lance play, this, this is also the benefit of actually starting him and just committing to him, is that you can begin to work on the things that are going to be well-suited for him and that he can do well. Because you, you look at Trey Lance and he, did, he looked like an overloaded computer out there. He wasn't comfortable letting it rip. He was throwing some hospital passes um, that were not great. They were a little high. Off target. They were so bad that they weren't even really hospital passes, unless you're talking about for maybe the trainer who's not paying attention on the sideline because it's sailing so far over everybody's fucking head. Well, there were a couple, right? There was one that was either George Kill's feet or going way the hell over yeah. someone's head. But there was a yeah. couple others that were just really high. And whether it's just the brilliant Demo Samuel coming down with it or it's George Kittle basically getting rocked by Jamal Adams uh, based on ball location, like it, those are there. And you're like, oh, man, that looks that looks tough for Trey. But guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo is doing the same damn thing. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was getting people killed with hospital passes, too. It damn near cost George Kittle's leg. Uh, Like that thing got bent over backwards. Debo had to bail him out a couple of times. Um, So that that's exactly, I think what we mean is that you're, you're still getting some of those things with Jimmy Garoppolo, but you look at what Trey Lance did in the run game. You had wide open lanes for sermon. I mean, like the first play that they had, yeah, yeah, (laughs) they were great. You've got, you got eight yards. You're able to run the fourth run play where he scrambles the two point conversion. These are all things you don't get with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and while, yes, it ultimately was a losing effort, and, and this isn't to say that Trey Lance, by any stretch, looked good or is going to come in and, and be the you know a, a candidate for rookie of the year right off the bat. It's like you're going to get some of those lumps. You're already kind of getting them with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now let's see what other upside, what deep pass kind of thing he can do that you're not going to get with Jimmy. Right. And that fourth and 10 play was, I, I think, such a great example. And, and just kind of even the positive plays 
that he did have in that drive, and I mean, a lot of them, just the the few that he had in general, um, is, yeah, it, it's going to be the out-of-structure stuff, right? Like, and I think that's what you kind of, it's going to look different. It's going to look ugly, especially this first year. Like, if there is a point this season, right, where they do go full-on switch to Lance and, and kind of just decide that, okay, that's, you know, getting him developed, getting him experience is the most important thing that we have left to, to worry about this season. Um, it, it's going to look different and it's going to probably be uglier for a bit because, yeah, I don't know that he's always going to right away, like hit the things in structure that you're going to want. But the thing is, is like, if he misses it, he still gives you a chance. I mean, like how many times did he escape from a Carlos Dunlap sack, right? That just looked certain and, and he gives you a chance to, to get something in, um, you know, some of the, some of the times it's going to be making a play with his arm. Some of the time it's going to be like the fourth and 10 play, right? Where he's just able to kind of run out and, and go pick up a first down that you really have no business getting. And, and so those are the things, right. That Jimmy doesn't give you that, like that fourth and 10 play, right. If, if he's in the arms of, uh, a defensive lineman, like he's probably going down or even if he escapes, he's like not athletic enough to be able to go and pick up that 10 yards before the linebacker, the safety closes on him. Right. So yeah, I, I think it's just uh, it's it's a, a an offense that will very much look differently with him in there if if they do go that direction. But it is going to be a lot of out of structure and, and just kind of more. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, Schlereth just was like, yeah, look, yeah, it looks like they're playing backyard football right now, and I think that's kind of how it would look if he was out there more often. You did forget one thing that's in Jimmy Garoppolo's arsenal when he's under pressure and he's trying to scramble the pocket, just throwing it backwards backwards pass letting the other team get it you know that's always an option you didn't say it i know but that's always an option um it, it it definitely looks like he doesn't trust what he sees like he and this is to be expected because the windows in fcs are just completely different than the windows are in the nfl he's not necessarily used to full nfl speed of football where the windows are just smaller and and this is why i think he needs actual live game reps because those are the things that you get yep. used to when you're playing, what does this window look like? What does this window feel like? What is open? How much time do I have? How can I not drift back in the pocket? Where do I need to step up? Why should I not hold the ball out like a loaf of bread? Um, look, Shady McCoy can do it. I don't all securities for cowards. It's, we need to put that on a t-shirt. We do. That's <laughs> that's so one good. of my favorite things. That though, I would ever feel uttered. bad about doing that because it's not mine. Uh, that's that's uh, one that I've got to give credit to uh, Charles McDonald. At oh, four verts on, on the Twitters uh, back and that's a long time ago. I feel like he made that reference, but yeah, we'll put it in air quotes and we'll attribute him properly. So it'll be, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be awesome. Um, I think Shanahan said post game that they don't know the extent of Garoppolo's calf injury, but if he is cleared to play, he will be the starter next week. And so they are definitely, this is not a, a full blown transition. It was a reluctant entrance for Trey Lance. Um, and I think ultimately, if if you know Shanahan is likely not willing to or able to deal with some of the things that Trey Lance is going to give him, and that's why I think it's it's within his conservative nature to continue to go with Jimmy Garoppolo and you know kind of I think miss the forest for the trees, but you know definitely just not be tolerant of some of these rookie mistakes. Right, and and I think like now listening to his comments a little bit after this game and just kind of seeing how he was managed in this game. I, I do wonder if if maybe even the buy, which we have been kind of thinking that might be a good opportunity, right, for Lance to make that switch. I almost think that it it won't come until the 49ers are like eliminated from playoff contention. 
if that happens, totally, agree. Um, then that's the moment because I think he's just, yeah, like too competitive. Like right now he's not willing to sacrifice the short term of this season for the long-term development of Trey Lance. And until this season no longer has anything to offer him, um, then then I think they're going to roll with Jimmy, and as long as he's healthy, of course. So, yeah, I, I do think um, that's kind of the timeline that we're on right now. Yeah, to the point where, I mean, unless... We'll, we'll see what happens with the calf of, of Jimmy Garoppolo, but I had kind of stashed Trey Lance on a fantasy team, uh, thinking sometime around week six, week seven, um, definitely going to drop him. Uh, yeah. I've, I've got some other needs. I, I don't think it's, and that's, and I feel like that's, that's, that's always the marker, right? Like your optimism about whether or not a player is actually going to get some reasonable snaps. It's like, are you going to rush them in fantasy? I did for Trey Lance. I really thought that at some point the Niners were going to make the switch. I don't feel that way anymore. This is, I th- and I think you're exactly right. Shanahan is going to bleed every single ounce of thing out of this season that he can. And it's not until he cannot that we will see Trey Lance come in. Now, despite the loss, there were some fun things in this game. Before we talk about those things, we've got a brief word from our sponsors. This week's pod is brought to you by TickPick. 49ers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference of the purchase price. You can go and get tickets for Week 7 when the 49ers face the Colts, and you might even see Trey Lance's first career home start, as it looks like he might be starting for a couple of weeks while Jimmy Garoppolo nurses his injury. Visit TickPick.com slash Rivals today and use the promo code RIVALS to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Rivals. Uh, the, the other thing that really stood out from this game is just the brilliance of Debo Samuel. Two more things before we get out of here. Debo Samuel is, he's just freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, from the, the entrance with the bicycle and the flannel and the hat. Did you see this? That was, yes, that was excellent. Loved it. Oh my goodness. It, it just, it was an amazing way to enter the game. He had eight catches, 152 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he has Anquan Bolden's hands. It's, it's like Anquan Bolden left these hands somewhere within 49ers headquarters. And it was like a treasure hunt and Debo Samuel found them. And now he gets to wear them and have just vice-like hands because there was a, there was a pass from, from Trey Lance where, I mean, it was inaccurate, it was high, and it was a rocket. And Debo Samuel was like, cool. That scramble you, off to like the yeah. left. Yeah, he like yep. kind of bails out to the left. Yep. 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 It, was, it was just, it was bonkers. And he's like, nope, I got you. No big deal. Um, and, and he just, he seems to do this all the time. The touchdown that he had, his second touchdown, where he just bulldozes two players and ends up oh. putting the ball over. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he is amazing. He's awesome. Uh, we give Shanahan a lot of crap for missing on wide receivers, and he's missed on a couple of them. Um, but Debo Samuel's absolutely a hit. And speaking of like those two specifically, Kyle Shan- giving shit to Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel, like uh, I mean, understandably, I think a lot of people were frustrated with that jet sweep call, like on the fourth down. Uh, I mean, I get it. Like it, it's just a lot of time. I, I think a lot of times that works. I, I really don't have an issue with that play call getting the ball in the hands of, of probably your best offensive player right now. Absolutely. Like 
And um, yeah, just knowing what he can do, even in situations where it doesn't look like he should get anything, right? Like he, we just constantly see him move piles and break tackles and, and do those things. So yeah, I, I don't hate that call uh, necessarily. And yeah, I think it's, it speaks to um, how awesome Debo Samuel has been and, and just how important he is to this offense right now. Yeah, you can't be mad about a play call where you try to get your best player the ball in a key situation. Yeah. And and I think that at this point, especially with George Kittle's injury and especially with the type of player that Debo is, that's you want the ball in his hands. I mean, because for all the reasons that he scored the touchdown on. <laughs> you yeah, want the ball exactly. in his hands in these situations. Debo Samuel has 490 receiving yards this season, the second most through four games in 49ers history. That's behind Jerry Rice's 522 yards in 1995. Like, this is a rarefied air for a 49ers wide receiver. And and it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Man, would not have expected it either. Like, would never, as much as I love Debo Samuel and, and loved him every moment that he's been a 49ers player, like, putting up this kind of volume is never something that I saw for him. Um, and so it's been, yeah, I think really cool to see. Well, I think it goes back to the the trust issues that Shanahan has. Shanahan has yeah. legit trust issues. Like I, I have no idea what I don't I don't know who hurt him. I don't know what Chris Sims did to my man Shanahan that where he just feels betrayed, you know. And he went from you know, trusting someone so much that he would tattoo his initials onto his person, and now you know he trusts nothing else. I don't I don't know what that relationship is like, but what I do know is that he's got some serious trust issues. And I do think that he trusts Debo Samuel. He trusts Debo Samuel when the game's on the line. He trusts George Kittle when the game's on the line. Um, I don't know that he trusts Trey Lance. I don't know that he trusts Jimmy Garoppolo. I think sometimes he's forced to trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Speaking like so, things to actually worry about because yeah. this game sucked, and yeah. and it sucked because the Niners are now two and two. They are last in the NFC West, and, and while they're tied with with Seattle in terms of record, they've now lost to Seattle. They lost to Green Bay. You've got the rolling Arizona Cardinals, the undefeated Arizona Cardinals, who just handled the Rams I am in their game. Very interested to go back and watch that game. Yeah, and, and see I, what I am there. too. Yeah. I, got, I caught peaks of it. I caught little bits and pieces. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what they did. And, and at this point, the Niners are fighting for their life over the next couple of weeks in order to stay playoff relevant. And, and they may end up in this bye with three straight losses, all to NFC or divisional opponents. And then there are some things to worry about. And the, the biggest things to worry about at the end of this game, though, uh, it is not the performance of Trey Lance. It, it's not even the defense and the defense not being able to shut out um, a, a Seattle offense with Russell Wilson at the helm. Um, I think you, you really have to worry about Trent Williams' shoulder. Apparently, his the injury looked like an elbow. It was reported like an elbow. But it's... It's a shoulder, and the reports from the sideline guys were that he seemed to be in, quote, a lot of pain and, quote, looked emotional. That's never a good sign. Nope. Never a good sign. The way his arm was dangling, nope. honestly, it looked like a collarbone or some kind of shoulder separation or something. It just You never want to see an arm dangle like that. It just seemed weird. That would be absolutely brutal. Just uh, would... Oh my God. Yeah. It would, it would really hurt this offense, like going from Trent Williams to Jalen Moore, like, and, and again, that's, we, I think like Jalen Moore is, is a potential long-term option, right. And, and given some time to develop, like, uh, think that he might end up being a, a solid player, but like right now he does not help you. And, uh, Trent Williams has been 
again, like maybe the best tackle in football so far through, through these first few games. And so, um, it would be, it would be huge. Yeah. That would, it would just be awful. Uh, the other thing you got to worry about is Kyle Shanahan trusting his punter as a place kicker more than his offense. That worries me. And, and, and it goes back to the trust thing, which is like, sometimes he has these trust issues, but he puts them in such misguided places. You're this dude just missed a 41 yard field goal. And like the broadcast was like, he just missed it. It was close. It wasn't close. It was not close. The, the extra point that he made that was close. Like that thing did not get very much height or air at all. That was close. The, that, that, but the 41 yard field goal, that was not close. So you're going to send him out there for a 38 yard field goal effectively. Yeah. That makes no sense when you've got an offense that is absolutely humming in that first quarter and in that first half. And then it's a 41 yard field goal and you're going to trot out your punter. I don't care what round you drafted him in. He's not a place kicker. He's a punter. Uh, getting their money's worth out of juice, though. I mean, they are <laughs> the holder that versatility for all it's worth. I thought uh, it was a fake. When I saw juice out there, I thought it was a fake. And I was like, that makes sense. You're telegraphing it, but it makes sense. Nah, man. It, it's just, yeah, I, I think that's right now the most frustrating thing. Um, it, it's that, I mean, obviously, like the quarter, it's the quarterback play and then just things like this with Shanahan, right? Like the, these are the two things that just, have have made this a very frustrating start to the season in in so many ways. So it's uh yeah, it's tough. It's tough to watch because you know, I I do think more and more we're we're getting a lot of evidence building that like Kyle Shanahan, excellent designer of offense, excellent play caller, like maybe none better in terms of the ability to just like um layer things and and have things throughout the game build on each other right and have these plays that tie together so well um but when it comes to decision making in critical situations right now he is hurting this team um there's i I don't think there's any way you can justify some of these decisions that he's making and it's tough And, and it's tough when you're in games like this right like the 49ers right now are not good enough to to be able to like overcome uh these type of of things where you're not putting your team in the best situation possible you're not maximizing your chances right to win by doing some of these some of these are are very i think simple things and just kind of like well accepted and, and kind of standard things around the league right now and and we're not getting it from him and so when you're you're not getting that and you're not better at quarterback than the other team that you're playing it is tough. Even if I think like across the board, right? You just kind of look position by position. And and I think right now the 49ers, when when you look at these this stretch of three games, right, against Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona, I think you can make a case, right, that like overall team quality is at least like close enough, right? That that you're you're expecting a competitive game. But when you are deficient at, at quarterback, and suddenly deficient at head coach, like in, in these decisions that, that are uh, so crucial, like that's tough. That's tough to overcome. Like you have to be perfect elsewhere. Maybe that's something that we'll tackle in the bye week episode um, is just talking about Shanahan as a whole yeah. um, and disaggregating his decision from his play calling. Cause I think that'd be a good topic to dig into. And we just don't have the time right now to do it. Um, yep. Because the other thing that you should be worried about is playing cover three in the red zone. Again, D'Amico Ryans. I think the Niners were backed up and they were at their 12-yard line. And you're playing cover three in the red zone. That's a problem. 
Why is it a problem? Because your middle of the field safety, who's in charge of the middle third, now doesn't have enough time to actually cover all of the space that the defensive structure requires him to. He's playing on an island by himself. And He's you're worthless. giving the offense, you're giving the offense so much room to work. Like this is why cover two or cover four or those kind of two high safeties, if you're not going to bring everyone down against the run, are the coverages that you are generally going to see in the red zone. It's because cover three in the red zone is useless. We see it week after week. Yeah, that, that safety does nothing for you. You're, you're basically playing with 10 defenders when you make that call at that position on the field. Like he is is absolutely worthless. Um, there's just nothing he can do to to really help your defense. And and yeah, I think it's it's tough. I mean, normally what you want to see, you know, you're especially once you get down inside the 12. Down inside the 12 really becomes its own sec it's like its own special section of the red zone, right? Um, and, and so you do you tend to see coverage calls and, and things like that shift drastically to these specialized calls that you just don't see anywhere else on the field. And and usually what you're going to get is yeah, those safeties you're going to sit more too high, but it's not like a true middle of the field too high thing, right? Where if you're out at the 50, like the safeties are down there and they're tight uh t- tighter to the line of scrimmage because they need to help you on these routes like the one that DK Metcalf caught for a touchdown because guess what? Your linebacker ain't fucking doing it. Like it's just not uh, gonna be there, especially when he's worried about. I mean, you think about it in cover three. Like he's the essentially the curl flat defender, so he's pushing to get wide on on most of these calls, depending on you know what the formation is. But um, he he's looking to get outside of Metcalf already, who's running an in breaking route, and then there's nobody there to help him. And and so yeah, I I think. Uh, it, those ones are just so frustrating because it's just, it seems so easy. Like you can just call anything else, like anything else to put your defense in a better situation, run man coverage, go fucking crazy and send an all out blitz. Like whatever else you want to do, you have a better chance of success. It feels like than playing soft ass cover three down inside the 12 yard line. And the last thing that you actually have to worry about, or maybe not is the way that we pronounce Darby. Apparently. Lots of people were really, really upset at how we pronounced a word. And I feel like those people can't have been listening to us for very long. Did, uh, you, did you say Derby? Did we say Derby? We said Derby. Before? Yeah. So this is what I we're mean, talking I about. When I listened week. to like when we listened to the broad soccer broadcast, I like have heard them say Derby and I like knew that it was pronounced Derby there. But I, just, yeah, I don't know. I just like, uh. No, yeah, I'm with you, but I just think it's like looks. it's the it's the British accent, right? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and try to mimic a British accent. Yeah. I'm an I'm an American. It's a little bit like you know I, I don't walk into a French bakery and say I'd like to have a croissant. croissant. It's like I say I say I'm going to have a croissant because I speak English, the American version of English. Uh, you know, not not uh, pretty, not always great, not easy to learn because of the way that we do things with vowels. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, but yeah, but apparently it's Darby, not Derby. So, you know, things to worry about. (laughs) Easy correction. Of all of the things that we really need to be worried about here at the end, that one we can do. Look, we're already saying Lenore at at a better than 50% clip. I mean, to be fair, I'm saying Lenoir Lenore constantly. Right. I always but get it then, wrong. <laughs> but then I'm mostly saying Lenore. And then there are sometimes when you just straight away say Lenore. So that's what I'm saying. Better than 50%, right? We're, we're our hit rate there is uh I, I feel like good enough for us. Uh so the 
there's more coming in about Jimmy Garoppolo. So we're on, we're on live. Might as well just get to it. Cause we're here. Um, apparently Jimmy Garoppolo said that it happened on the first series that he got stepped on and he felt like it traveled into his Achilles. Uh, and he, he said he hopes it'll just be a couple of weeks. And Chris Biederman has a quote from Jimmy Garoppolo and it says, quote, this is getting old. We'll see Trey Lance again next week, which means we'll get a game plan yeah. around what Trey Lance is going to be able to do, which will be interesting in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, if that if that's what ends up happening here and we get Trey Lance starting, you know, going into Arizona. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like at least they're going to be in a better situation than they were in the second half. Um, because, yeah. like you said, yeah, they're going to build it around him. And and we're going to see, yeah, what Shanahan would do when he's going in with this guy as the, the starter, right? And and that's presumed going into the week. And so, uh, yeah, but it seems like now we're going to be looking at the return of Jimmy Garoppolo after the bye, maybe, right? As opposed to uh, the, the start of the trail answer. Goodness. So. Uh, Jake Hutchinson on Twitter. Uh, Garoppolo says he doesn't think he tore his Achilles. Quote, I really hope not. Gulch. So it could be like, yeah, that's not. That's not I mean, great. if that's a game, yeah, we start, we start, uh, I mean, it, maybe not the circumstances that we hoped, uh, that, that we get this Trey Lance era kicked off, but like, it's going to force their hand obviously. And I know, uh, I know. And, I just, I hate, I hate it when it comes to the expense of another player. Like we oh, know totally. that this was always, yeah. this was always the modal outcome. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the fact that Jimmy was going to get injured, it, it always seemed like that's the modal outcome, but you just never want it to be at the expense of another player. You know what I mean? That yeah. sucks. That Absolutely. really sucks. Um, so, all right. I think, uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of scrolling through the tweeters, uh, nothing else that, uh, that happens post game, but yeah, I think next week will be an interesting test, especially if you get a whole week of Trey Lance taking snaps with the number ones and a game plan around what Trey Lance can do. Um, and, and that will be a really, really interesting and fun game. And if the Niners can eke out a win against Arizona, they are back in it. Like they are in the mix. Cause then it's just, cause that's what happens at this point is just, it's a cluster of everything. And it's just like, who's going to come out on top at the end of the year. And the Niners schedule means that they could come out on top. I mean, yeah, look, uh, crazy, crazy shit happens all the time. Right. I mean, you see, uh, that fucking new Orleans just stomping the absolute shit out of green Bay in week one. And now like, look at those teams, right? Like just gone yeah. in completely different directions, but shit happens, you know? So uh, who knows, but it will be, yeah. I mean, even though it's unfortunate circumstances, if, if Trey Lance does come in next week as a starter, which obviously we'll spend, uh, a ton of time talking about on Thursday's show, if that is indeed the way things are looking, um, it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be fun to see what they do. All right. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the, well, I guess I have to stop saying this week's edition because we're now doing two a week. I know it's uh, weird. And it's, I've been doing it that way for so long. It's hard to break out of that habit. Um, it, for this edition of the Better Rivals podcast, David, tell me about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Head there. Become one of the Patreon elite. Get in on that extra content. The live stream podcasts that we're doing twice weekly now. Um, the video breakdowns that are coming uh, midweek there, Wednesday, Thursday. The, the Discord has been great. I mean, you can interact with uh, the, the better rivals community and, and, uh, have some conversations that I think are a little bit more fun than Twitter and spend some time with us on game day. So yeah, check it out. You can follow me on Twitter at better rivals. Thanks again for tuning in. As always go Niners. <laughs>